0: I'm Heather Roberts here with Sergeant Kent Vanderkamp, the uh, sergeant in charge of the Central Oregon Drug Enforcement Team. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We don't get to talk like this very often. We get Us in the media, we get a lot of press releases from you guys. We see a lot of busts that you guys are doing, long-term, short-term investigations. For those who may not be familiar with what CODE does, start me off with just a real brief overview of your work in Central Oregon.
1: Yeah, so CODE is an acronym for Central Oregon Drug Enforcement. Uh, We are a team that is designed to be a multi-jurisdictional narcotics task force, meaning that we cover not just Deschutes County, but we also provide services to Jefferson and Crook County in addition to Deschutes County. Uh, We are supported by the Oregon-Idaho High Intensity intensity Drug Trafficking Area, uh, commonly referred to as HIDA. It is a nationwide program that comes from the White House uh, Council of Drug Abuse. And we are sponsored by our federal partners, the DEA or the Drug Enforcement Administration here in Bend. Uh, so out of that, we have an agreement with all of the agencies in those three counties, both uh, state, tribal, local and federal agencies that support that program. So in that Oregon Haida program, There are about 11 HIDA teams in that initiative between Oregon and Idaho that uh, we coordinate and provide services to each other, whether it be information or bodies, but we're also supported by the uh, state of Oregon's National Guard Counter Drug Program. So we get uh, analysts from them. So kind of what you see on TV, they do a lot of our research on people and put together our investigation packages. And so out of this whole program, we are budgeted to have 12 detectives and special agents from different agencies. And our job is to go out and look for large drug trade organizations or groups nicknamed DTOs. Uh, they are different sizes and shapes, uh, but we are that's what we're looking for. I'm not looking for the drug dealer behind the 7-Eleven or the convenience store. I'm looking for the car loads, the pounds, and what's bringing in uh, into our community. And on the flip side of that, I'm looking for all of their assets leaving the area. So cash, in any sort of money laundering instruments. So that's primarily what we're looking for and what we do. A lot of what we do is uh, undercover. So we do a lot of undercover work. We do a lot of surveillance and a lot of investigation outside of uh, the office. So we're constantly moving and going and doing.
0: And so you guys are really on the front lines of the fentanyl crisis that we're dealing with in Central Oregon and frankly, the state and the country. You are our local team that's working on that. And like I said earlier, we see a lot of busts that you guys are doing. It does seem like those related to fentanyl, fake pills, powder, rainbow fentanyl that I think looks like sidewalk chalk. I mean, these types of things that we're seeing out on the street now that we know are really contributing to the homeless crisis and several behavioral health issues, addiction issues in central Oregon. You guys are on the front lines of that. What do you see? I mean, is this a problem that has a fix?
1: You know, there, there's definitely a fix. So I hear a lot of arguments about, you know, the war on drugs. And I always tell people is you have to continue the fight on the on the, the war on drugs, if we want to use that phrase. Uh, but code, we use a data-driven approach, meaning that we study the trends and the criminal activity and the drug trafficking trade. And the trend is that over the last eight to twelve months in particular. We've seen a big push of the commercial drug trade organizations from both Mexico and Honduras have really been moving into this region. One of their footholds that uh, they've really developed over the years is Portland. That's the closest one to us. And it's definitely become the distribution point. Fentanyl is definitely right now, as we all hear, the monster that we're dealing with. Methamphetamine continues to be there. Uh, Cocaine is, is definitely on a comeback as well. The thing about fentanyl is it's killing people rapidly and it's 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 become the modern day version of Russian roulette. And that's what's got us concerned is is the change of the type of drugs, the potency of the drugs and people not really understanding how dangerous it is. So the drug trade organizations have gotten wise to uh, transporting or distributing these drugs. We're seeing drug dealers now on the internet. Uh, small, small kids, teenagers can literally buy fentanyl or other fake pills on the internet via Snapchat and Instagram, and have it delivered right to your house. That's terrifying. And the flip side of that, we're also seeing our grandparents do it. People that uh, maybe don't have the resources to pay for pharmaceutical drugs, they see this cheap alternative on the internet, and they think it's a bargain. They buy what they think is their medications, and in reality, it is fentanyl. These fake pills come in many forms, not just the Oxycontin or Oxycodone pills, but we're seeing it with ADHD medications. We're seeing it with unlabeled uh, tablets where they might be described as heart medication or blood pressure medication, and we're seeing them mixed in with all sorts of other things but they're not being made with any sort of care or science. They're simply being thrown into a bucket mixed together for a few moments and then put into a pill press.
0: And the big thing is it's cheap. I mean, I've heard of some cases where dealers are selling it for 80 cents to a dollar per tablet. I mean, I can't even imagine that's, that's a massive payday for those dealers.
1: It is. And statistically, it's hard to it's hard to really put a finger on this because a lot of times the smaller counties or even the bigger counties that are burdened with this the data is 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 very disjointed, meaning that when a patrol officer responds to a, a fatal overdose, they may not know it's an overdose. they might think it's a natural cause of death. So on the flip side of that we might also get too much data that doesn't tell us enough about what the drug was. so we're not really being able to see a lot of that but I think at the state level, we're at a point where we probably need to start rethinking Measure 110 uh, because the decriminalization made it very difficult to really look at these numbers to see exactly what is a criminal amount of these drugs and what is uh, happening in the community. Uh, so I think we need to focus more resources at the state level to target the drug traffickers and to slow down that flood of dangerous drugs like heroin and and meth and fentanyl that are killing our, our friends and our children. Uh, and I think a lot of that is being able to put those resources back into detox and treatment facilities. I know that was 110's measure or promise during the measure, uh, ballot measure, but it's failing. And I th- I think that it's becoming an injustice to uh, the people in our community that are addicted to drugs. And uh, that's above my pay grade, but I am doing my best to at least get into These communities and finding the sources and holding them accountable. I think that's the most important part.
0: Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing getting into the community. This week there was a bust, and Code specifically mentioned an effort, a focused effort on finding those traffickers, specifically in homeless encampments. Why is that a primary focus?
1: Well, not just primarily in in homeless camps, but what we have seen with some of the data that's coming in is many of these drug trade organizations have. Uh, started recognizing the vulnerable communities that are in homeless encampments in the Portland area. My my team, my sister team there, has been reporting finding uh, couriers and transporters from the Honduran camps living in the camps, distributing drugs from the camps to not only the fellow community but people coming into the camps to buy drugs. And there's different theories. One of them is that they feel safe and that they can operate with impunity because the police are less likely to come into the camp and raid the camp. So we're seeing that quite often right now. And we have seen that practice being used here, uh, where they're finding a vulnerable person, usually an addict, to be a runner or to be a holder for them and distribute the drugs within the camps, uh, because there is a large population uh, inside those camps that are, are fentanyl addicts. Uh, that's what we've noticed, and so we've been paying attention to that because with the drug sales and the um, that that environment comes violence and theft and extortion and stories of human trafficking, uh, where these fentanyl distributors are using other Honduran kids to to sell drugs. So that's what we're focusing on. Not so much the homelessness part, but that's that's where the targets are taking us. The business seems to be now inside the camps. And we we had done a few cases in the uh, Hunnell Road encampment when that was going on. And uh, we had taken a considerable amount of drugs off, off that camp over the years. So we knew that that was going on, but it has progressively gotten worse. And, and perhaps maybe it's because the camps are now consolidating and they're becoming a little bit more concentrated. But the big problem now is the camps, uh, the people that live there that are not Criminal, they're reporting to us. They've actually reached out to us saying, hey, I'm not feeling safe. This is what's going on in the camp that I'm living in. And these are the people doing it. But if they find out that I'm talking to the police, they're going to beat me up and throw me out of the camp and I've got nowhere to live. So there's this uh, self-imposed government in a lot of these camps where there's a hierarchy of who's in charge of who.
0: That's kind of the factor here is that you've got a built-in population that's leery of the police. They're less likely to go versus in a neighborhood where you get a neighbor that calls in and says, wow, there's a lot of traffic at my neighbor's house. I think they're doing drug deals. You're not going to find that in a homeless camp.
1: You know, I'll tell you the tides have turned. Uh, People that are living in these camps realize that they need to do something for their own safety. And we have uh, quite a few people that have reached out to us with information that are living in the camps or visit the camps. So... Uh, We are seeing and hearing from a lot more homeless people now than we used to. And I think they are starting to feel that they need to do something themselves.
0: Well, Sergeant, we are out of time, which just tells me we need to do this more often because I just think that you have a lot to offer our community. We don't hear from you often enough. But this conversation needs to really extend into the community. The community needs to get involved in trying to help you guys to battle this crisis is what I hear you saying.
1: I absolutely agree. And we will welcome all the help and information. And I encourage people to share information, what they learn about fentanyl they need to tell others.
0: Okay. Sergeant Kent Vanderkamp with the Central Oregon Drug Enforcement Team. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to FM News 100.1 and 1110 KBND.